Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I would like to first and foremost give a very special thank you to our great friend and member of the show here, Lewis, for allowing me to turn this, um, what was going to be a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call into a full-on presentation. And Lewis said to me, would you be willing to do a presentation on Darwin's theory of evolution and how that may not exactly be so accurate relative to the information that's coming to light these days? And I said, absolutely. And I said, as a matter of fact, I can build on that. But before we jump into that, Lewis, brother, how you doing? Don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you'd like to say hi to everybody, you're more than welcome. Awesome. Blessed to be here. Just want to appreciate the fact that you're doing this fucking Zoom call. Let's get it on, man. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Thank you. So today's episode is called Darwin's Theory of Evolution is Wrong, uh, Dave's Multiple Density Hypothesis, and Using Sound Cannons to clean up Nazi black sun spiders. And I know that might sound like, holy crap, what's happening here? But we're going to merge everything from the metaphysics to the nuts and bolts to the philosophical and ontological, even anthropological implications of how all of this stems, in my opinion, from the incorrectness of Darwin's theory of evolution, believe it or not. So let's, um, let's dive into it. So first and foremost, Let's first understand and break down very simply Darwin's theory of evolution. You can see my screen here. Okay, so according to Mr. Darwin, evolution from the so simple, a beginning endless forms most beautiful and most wonderful have been and are being evolved. Darwin believed that life on Earth evolved from simple organisms about three billion years ago. According to Mr. Darwin, natural selection, and I quote, as many more individuals of each species are born than can possibly survive, and as, consequently, there is a frequently recurring struggle for existence, it follows that any being, if it varies, however slightly in any manner profitable to itself, under the complex and sometimes varying conditions of life, will have a better chance of surviving and thus be naturally selected. Now, what's interesting about this is that if we zoom in a little bit, we'll see here that members of a population that have characteristics that are best suited to survival in their environment are mo more likely to reach adulthood, breed and pass these desirable characteristics onto their offspring. He called this process natural selection. Now, he developed this theory after studying various finches he found on the Galapagos Islands, he concluded that the 14 different species of finches he observed on the different islands had all evolved from one common ancestor, a ground-dwelling seed-eater. Now, what's interesting about all of this is that if we take a look first and foremost, believe it or not, at the Nazi Black Sun, if you will, or the Black Sun cult, this was a, the symbol representative of that of the, again, the uh, more higher level echelon uh, Nazi uh, group or elite, whether it's Goebbels, Goering, you name it, uh, of course, Hitler, Himmler, all of that, pertaining to a much seemingly grander understanding that, again, a lot of historians attribute to being, you know, um, nonsense or heretic or fantastical and, and complete gibberish. But in reality, there's a direct correlation to Darwin's theory, but more importantly, to how Darwin's theory by definition proves in my humble perspective to aid also lewis's um uh intention of this overall concept here that it's not exactly correct and we'll break all of that down in each uh, category right now so quick summary of darwin's theories that individual organisms in nature differ from one another some of this variation is inherited okay now, what's interesting about that is this concept of inheritance. What, what does that mean? What does natural even mean without splitting hairs here, without diving too deep into trying to be all, you know, overly esoteric and, and ontological? When we look at how some of nature's variables are inherited 
amongst some and others. Immediately myself, I think of Mr. Dan Winter and the whole concept of the blood plasma and, you know, family members being traumatized and children being traumatized even from birth, not necessarily traumatized from a particular event, but rather traumatized due to the flow state in which the ripple effect from the actual initial bioresonance of them being in the fetus actually stimulated some type of activity that was a, we could say, non an anti-stabilizing of disequilibrium. So in other words, basically, that means that if we have something that is symmetrical, and then say we, we have a circle, and we move one side of that circle, we shift just half of that circle down a little bit, you've now destabilized that, again, what was once equilibrium. So now if we take that perspective, and we place over top of it more rings, which we're about to draw actually in a second here, we'll find that what we call inherited may in fact be information structures electromagnetically packaged over top each other, if that makes sense. Now, this by definition immediately dismisses Mr. Darwin's concept. And again, I don't mean to, he's not around for us to ask him, of course, but I don't mean to, um, to, to, to constantly, I guess you could say, appear to attack him in the sense that I wonder to what extent he understood this or not. Now, before we go on to the sketchboard, we'll see here that organisms in nature produce more offspring than can survive. And many of those that survive do not reproduce. Because more organisms are produced than can survive, members of each species must compete for resources. I don't particularly um, agree with that, to your point, Lewis, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But each organism is unique. Each has different advantages and disadvantages in the struggle for existence. Well... What if an advantage or a disadvantage is just, again, an inheritance, informationally structured or packaged electromagnetically, sort of like stacking books or something like this? Now, I'm going to stop screen sharing for a second just so I can pull up the, uh, the sketchboard here. And this is when it's going to get really interesting because if we t look, for example, at what we were just um, depicting verbally, but we're now going to depict visually, we will find that... This concept here of, again, say for example, we have a circle, and by definition of symmetry, it's even because, again, between both sides, this is not a straight line, but you guys see what I'm saying. Now, if we take, for example, what if we take this circle, we right-click, copy, just like on a computer, and then we right-click, paste, except here's what we do. The next circle, we're going to draw in white here, for example... And you guys will see in a, in a moment, actually shortly, how this correlates to a lot of different things. Is drawn, right? Now, here's the thing. Imagine this black line represents all the way up, sort of like a harp, if you will. But instead of it being the other half being symmetrical or parallel to that of this half, it is slightly downward. So it does connect on the bottom here. But there is a disconnection right over here where my mouse is. Now, then... Let's say, for example, let's take green and let's just make it a little bit thinner. Now, again, from a 3D perspective, these are rings overlapping each other. Let's keep that in mind. And you might say, Dave, okay, what does this have to do with anything? Well, again, you will see very quickly that if we were to, say, go on this side of things and this side of the circle and draw one here like this and then destabilize this side... What we're starting to see is, oh, I don't know, the serpent rope, 
Again, what people have called traversable wormholes, you name it. Now, the question becomes, okay, Dave, what does this have to do with Darwin's theory of evolution? Well, here's what's interesting. If we were to look at what we're seeing here depicted in a, in a side view, if you will, here's what I would find to be the case in a lot of regards. This, this line represents, obviously, the black, uh, the black outline, and then, of course, we're going to go to white again. And the, the different colors is very deliberate, but the white is a little bit, again, thinner based on the disequilibrium in which was illustrated here. And then if we take the green, it's going to be, by definition, if the disequilibrium was established on this side, by definition, it's going to be a little thinner. So even if this, all of the angles and points here connected on this side, even in a straight manner, what you still have essentially is a set of fractalized, we could say, I'm going to change the colors. We have a fractalized set of these different inherent structures. Again, going back to Mr. Darwin's concept of inherent, what is inherent? Well, think about, for example, very simply, as a matter of fact, um, let me see if I happen to have them uh, not in front of me, but think of stacking coins or magnets, for example. It's the same thing, just like a slinky. The question then becomes, was Mr. Darwin seeing beneath the layers of those magnets, or was he just looking at the surface magnet, or the black line here, or the black ring, of every single separate species, if you will, and then made his conclusion or hypotheses based on that alone. Now, you might be saying, Dave, what the heck does this have to do with, you know, the, the Nazi black sun and, and all of that? Well, again, here's what we're going to find. If we take, for example, and I'm not going to spend too much time doing this because actually we have an image to show it. If we take exactly what we drew here, and we can keep going, we can use orange, purple, just keep taking the rings and, and overlapping them with disequilibrium so that the sides don't connect opposingly but they do anti-opposingly it's a little bit confusing but the point is is that ultimately what we will find is we will find as a matter of fact not only the flower of life but we will find if we took this circle and copy and pasted it to this side to this side to this side of course it's already here we will find the flower of life intersecting overlapping which also speaks to the concept of we see here the pine cones kissing which could also speak again to the concept of squaring the circle as it's been called or circling the square that depending on the culture and all of this it, there were some different you know um, more so I would go personally with squaring the circle to be honest but the point ultimately though however is this now say we took this in a visual sense Okay, and we, I'm going to stop sharing one more time here in order to pull something very specific up. Say we took that and we were to split it or fractalize it over top each other. Sort of like, um, say, I don't know, like what happens when you play a guitar or a bass and you have it hooked up to an oscilloscope to be able to see what's happening in terms of the harmonics it's emitting. Well, what we will find, and I'd like to thank Mr. Uh, Anio Saro for this image, actually, in one of his previous presentations he gave to the Generation Z community, because to me it speaks to the perfect fractalization of not just the quantum dot, but many other things as well. We will find, excuse me one second, that if we overlay what we drew on the sketchboard, we will have the, not just the flower of life, we will have 
as they say, whether it's in the Bible or in many other uh, scriptures and writings, there's a mimicry of geometric procession. The question is, to what extent can we see the layers underneath the rings? Who's to say, for example, that these rings that we see as just one circle are just one circle? If we go back to the image of the fractalization, the more you zoom in or zoom out for that matter, it's continuously overlapping. So this concept of inheritance that Mr. Darwin speaks on, to your point, Lewis, I appreciate you asking me to even do this presentation because the question then becomes, what is inherent? What is inherent if you can take, an, I guess you could say, a zoomed-in version, like when people are on psychedelics and they feel they can zoom into a galaxy or zoom out, if you will. What is inherent if it's all relative to something else? And I don't mean to be overly, you know, philosophical or metaphysical, but not only that, we find as well that the seed of life and the seven days of creation, again, mimic geometric procession. And I would dare to say this doesn't just apply to the Bible. Now, here's what's equally as interesting. If you, if one takes particularly day three, the initial fundamental understanding of the number, you know, three, six, nine, we see that everywhere, 33, six, six, all that kind of stuff. And you postulate an axiom, as they say, you put a, you say there's a starting point right in the center here, which by the way, if you look at just this, this uh, angle of it as well, that's, um, that, that's, that's the all seeing eye in many different regards. But the point is, is that if you were, believe it or not, excuse me, to take copper, copper rings, overlap them in the way that we see right here and spark an electrical charge, which I don't recommend anyone doing, but you spark it, say, from a battery, from the wall, you name it. The electricity over top that is being emitted. I don't know if it'll be observable with the human eye or if it needs to be observed in a laboratory, which is why, again, I want to be very clear in this episode, I'm not a professional electrician, anything like this. I do not recommend anyone takes that advice literally for the sake of this this uh, presentation. Just want to make sure I don't get sued or anything. But point being is that if you spark an electrical charge over top of just the day three or the flower of life, if you will, you know what's going to happen? Give me one second, actually, sorry. The electrical charges are going to look like this. So again, this speaks to the whole concept of we have the Nazi black sun. We have as well, by the way, notice this is a circle within a bigger circle. And if we zoom in again, it's touching a main circle, which we can argue is by definition. It's, um, it's stuck, brother. Sorry? The picture's stuck, sorry, it's a rainbow face that looks like an alien. Oh, it's stuck? No, oh, no problem at all, sorry. Thank you so much for letting me know. Um, right over here. Do you see this now? Perfect. It's going to look like this, everybody. When you, now, again, to what extent do you need to, this would be observed with the hu, with the nor, uh, human eye or with that of uh, some type of other, you know, uh, filter, uh, you know, thermal, you, you name it. It's not for me to say. I don't claim to know. So I want to be very clear. And again, one final time, I want to politely reiterate, do not try this at home. I want to be very clear about that. But the point is, ultimately, is that if you took copper, coiled it up in the way of what we see as the flower of life here, sparked a charge, you're going to see the electric, uh, the, the, we could say the electrical pulsations. And you can, this is also calculatable as well in a theoretical st uh, model, but you're going to see the, the electrical charges pulsate into that of what is representative of the Nazi black sun symbol here. Now, what's equally as interesting is you might be saying, okay, Dave, what does this have to do again with the whole angle of, um, 
you know, uh, sound cannons and, you know, uh, Nazi black sun spiders and, and things like this. Well, we have to consider that if everything operates in the sense of rings or circles, allegedly, if one were to emit, say, a harmonic, you play a guitar, and you were able to curate the way in which you point that guitar em uh, emission of the string you just plucked into a ring, if you will, or into a circle, the harmonic is going to take the shape of the circle or of the ring in which you've pointed it to go towards, right? Just like as Bruce Lee says, be like water. You put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water, you know, again, it, for example, water flowing down a river. You put a rock onto the river and the water doesn't go through the rock, it goes around the rock. It begins to adjust, adapt, just like nature. Again, as they say, we get our best tricks from nature. Not only this as well, but this speaks in a philosophical sense to the angle of living in the moment, where, for example, say the rock represents a problem in your life, let's say, we will and the rock has not been placed into the river. The river is you. We will deal with the rock slash the problem when it comes, if it comes. That's the point. The issue is ultimately that too many, and I don't mean to claim to, to you know, know what's wrong with the world, so to speak, but as they say, anxieties, thinking of something that hasn't happened and may never happen, and depression is uh, reflecting on the past and harping on previous events. Well, if there is only the now, and we think of the now as a harmonic plucking string going through a ring, we then have to ask ourselves, okay, what if we put another ring over that harmonic, uh, you know, plucking string, if you will, that's being, uh, that's being, uh, we could say, propagated through, through the tube that we're speaking on here. We put another ring over top of it. All of a sudden, that initial plucking sound that we interpreted in our minds that we're now so anxious or depressed about is now a completely different sound. So the, this speaks, this goes right back to Darwin's theory of evolution. To what extent is something inherent, ultimately? Now, here's the, the other thing as well. When we look at the different circles and rings that are overlapping one another, we also have to ask ourselves, could this be applied to the planet relative to that of the flower of life? What's the difference? Why can't this, why could we not, you know, in a visual sense, correlate this to that of Earth? Why, I don't see why that wouldn't be the case, as they say, again, this whole concept of the, the center of the earth, Agartha, New Schwabenland, what, what's happening there? So, in my opinion, what we then have to do is we have to look at all of the different, I'm going to just make sure that I have this um, established here, all of the different, uh, we could say, statues, structures, uh, again, I don't, I'm going to be completely honest with you folks here. For anyone on the Patreon that is watching this, you're more than welcome to comment if you know what they're formally and officially called. But we will see here that there are many, many, many different all over the world. We can call them, I don't know, this is not a proper word at all, but I don't know, the spider, tarantula, I don't know. I don't know, Lewis, you got, yeah. I have no idea what, we're, what we would formally call them here. But again, we see them all over the world. Now, if we look at these spiders from a 2D standpoint from above. It's going to look like the Nazi black sun with the center and then the tentacles reaching out and expanding. And if you sparked an electrical charge over top, we could say the tentacles of these beings, you would probably see an electrical pulsation similar to that of what's depicted in the Nazi black sun logo and illustration. Now, 
not only this, not only this, but this speaks to, okay, we see the spiders. Say the spider represents one of the rings we were sketching initially. What happens if we put another ring over top of that spider in a fractal, much larger sense? But half of that ring is only is only shift is shifted downwards so that there is not a stable sense of uh, equilibrium there is disequilibrium well i would dare to say we would probably come across more than likely something like this which by the way can be viewed all over the um on google maps i mean it doesn't take a, a, a genius to, to notice this just making sure you see the cities here lewis okay you will see again all over the world almost like there is a central hub and these are the rings overlapping the spiders now where would the spiders be the spiders would be literally metaphorically esoterically but more importantly literally underground again i find it quite peculiar that there have been very interesting again whether it's israel whether it's new zealand whether it, you name it explosions earthquakes unexpected and unexplained events all over the world in the last say five to eight years very interestingly pertaining to that of centering around these particular locations. Now, again, if we look at the bottom picture in particular, we I don't know, to me personally, this seems right over here to be the tentacles of the spider. And then if we look, by the way, at this road running right through the city, to me, for those that are more into the science angle of things, this reminds me of the Aronoff-Bohm effect, driving a neutrino beam right through the center of something, which, by the way, driving a neutrino beam right through the center of something reminds us precisely of what we were drawing initially what we were drawing initially did you say Lewis that the second picture we looked at looks like a snake eating itself right the Ouroboros precisely exactly now this goes right back to the plucking of the harmonic strings which we can say I'll put H right over here harmonics we'll call we'll call these the harmonic strings and I'll explain in a second through the tubes through the rings but each layer of ring it goes through effectuates a different density vibrationally which emits different forms of power now what happens if you weaponize that could we call them sound cannons harmonics and magnetism we're harnessing the exact same thing that these we could say more malevolent entities are using against us but as a matter of fact are inverting it so the same way that we speak about how society's inverted everything is off kilter we're living in a perverted inverted society we flip it right back but before we flip it back we must realize how to flip it back which would then speak to realizing potentially that mr darwin is absolutely incorrect because he's only looking at one ring he's only looking at one ring he's not looking at the other rings the other rings is a whole different ball game now not only that but by definition if each harmonic string that is plucked emits a different sound, that would mean that it would have different emissivity via that of the different, the, um, we could say the, ver the differential densities of the particular string. If each string has a different density, density means thickness. So by definition, you're going to have a fractalized situation because for one to be thicker than the other, that speaks to the something from nothing. You have to have the opposing of what was initially there, by definition, if that makes sense. Now, here's what's equally as interesting, too, if we look at this from a grand um, 
we could say from a much grander scale pertaining to that of everything we just discussed. Let's take a look at a document here, which any members that are interested in checking out or, you know, um, wanting to download yourself or anything, just let me know and send me a message on either uh, email or Patreon, DMs, Telegram, you name it, and I'll send it over to you. But we see here, I don't know who authored this to be, oh, Cosmic Light Force, okay. Um, how to quantum time jump into the higher timeline realities. This is you. You are a quantum bioelectric supercomputer and a light body spaceship vessel with abilities to navigate through multidimensional space-time realities. What we see right here, folks, is precisely more so not a straight line in this regard. This speaks to the rings that we were drawing. We are experiencing and walking through the different rings of our harmonics that are slightly varying the different densities. The different densities right over here in which we experience by the movement of walking through them. Now, this is when it's going to get really interesting. You see how all of a sudden, from this right over here, this diagram, excuse me, we have all of a sudden the line show up. It is very important to understand that within your present quantum reality, you are aware of the energies within your space-time vacuum. Now, I want to thank Riel for bringing this up to me the other day in a, in a, in a conversation, which was that, you know, we had a little bit of a talk about what quantum really means because I'm pissed off like everybody else. This thing of consciousness, quantum, you throw it all around, but what does it really mean, right? It, all these words, quantization of the this and the, but no one really says what it is. Well, for me personally, I'm not saying this is correct, but to help, you know, give a, a, a depiction in a more appropriate manner for you, for those listening or watching to interpret yourselves. I think of quantum as quad, quadratics, four, tri is three, duo is two. And so this concept of quad, it's squaring the circle, if you will, as the ancients would say. And so it speaks to completing the overall aspect of that Dyson sphere, because one quarter, QUA, quad quarter, is a 90 degree right angle of the full square, if that makes sense. And so that would be the idea in a visuals case of a right angle. Sorry, this should be centered, but you see what I'm saying. A right angle, particularly a 90 degree one, is this. And this is all that we're seeing and or experiencing. Now, here's the interesting thing. You can then, of course, oops, actually, wait, I'm going to redo that. That was terrible. Again, you can draw a circle, sort of like a diamond. I, I kept this on a slant on purpose to show that it doesn't have to be curved per se. But then, of course, this keeps coming back right to what, you know, the, the ancients, I guess you could say, um, have always talked about pertaining to, one second here, we'll use green. Knowing thyself or even what the, you know, the Masons have discussed. And if we were to draw that outline right there. And of course, the Freemasonry symbol has the G in it. Well, the G, that, that's a G. I know that doesn't, that's not good enough, but or that doesn't look like one a G. But the G ultimately represents, we can argue, Maxwell's equations. The G, G represents potentials, the potential realm, the, the, the realm of infinity. Now, what can we look, go back to? on this sketchboard in and of itself that represents infinity, for example. The rings. When do they end? We don't know when they end. They're different layers. And you might say, Dave, well, you're going to run out of colors. Yeah, that's just colors within the 90 degree right angle. 
what about the other the other quarters now you might say dave okay well what if you run out of everything from the other quarters well that's only one circle within one square what if we start overlapping more from different densities that are fractalized at an even more of a macro state even a micro state for that matter we don't know where it ends but that speaks to philosophically and ontologically the joys in the journey which in my humble perspective goes directly against the, we could say, the intellectual postulation from Mr. Darwin that it's just all about survival constantly. Now, maybe that's a, a an incorrect or butchered interpretation, but because some could argue to play devil's advocate to that. Well, Dave, no, Mr. Darwin is speaking on purely the animalistic, we could say, um, uh, primal behavior of life on Earth. Yes, but I agree to that point. The animalistic primal behavior on Earth is only one of those rings. It's only one. He's only observing the state in which is observable to him. What about the other rings? What about, again, we keep going and going. We can just, with all the, I'm not going to do all of it, but you see what I'm saying. Now, if we go even one step further, what you'll find here is that if we keep going to the diagram below, you'll find that the one line that initially started from the bottom is now cutting right through the center. What's interesting about this is that what if we take these circles and we overlap them? What are we going to come across? This. That's the that that's in this that's what I mean in the title here Dave's multiple density hypothesis. Mr. Darwin to Lewis's point was only observing one layer. Say where my mouse is, just the top layer for example. And you might say, okay, Dave, what does that mean? There's three layers. It would start in threes, so to speak, because you would then have the rings overlapping, having to do with, again, if we look at the scientific angle, certain components, particularly pertaining to the 1800, late 1800s within mathematics and, and um, differentials that, that show a third component may or may not have been uh, plucked out of a certain form of postulations, let's call it. So again, we look at this overall, we see that when we go back to the clean, the clean sphere document, not only that, again, we talked about overlayering the rings or the spheres, but this, does this not remind us of Aronoff Bohm when we were looking at the city too, of a beam being run right through? Not only that, but we see also, by the way, that in your present quantum reality, it would seem as if your previous realities created a linear timeline of your life, like a film strip of your previous life events. However, this would only appear this way, but it is not. As you walk through your portal in a fully charged body vessel with an intention of experiencing the highest timeline and pleasant physical creations and manifestations within your new reality, your energetic signature will magnetize into one physical reality of the unlimited potential quantum realities. It is only when you actually walk through the portal to the next quantum realm, the energies physically magnetize and you are now in the next present quantum reality. Hmm. Kind of like hopping through hoops, isn't it? Exact same idea. Kind of like hopping through hoops. Now, not only this, but we look at, I love this illustration of the films, the film reel in this regard, because we need to think about it like this. What are films or movies? They're very quickly moving still frames that, again, presents to our eyes optically and visually that there is movement in which is actually occurring. Now, we view this in a linear sense. Again, left and right, up and down. What happens, by the way, if we start angling it? You do what's called, you curve time and isolate space. 
I know that's a little bit tricky to, to comprehend or to, to even me it took me at least if you guys can comprehend it, those watching or listening in real time, God bless you because it took me days. So the point is ultimately is that we'll see here that because the fractals and the hoops are infinite, or at least they seem infinite, you are now aware of your inf infinite intelligent quantum reality and its portal points. Now, here's what's interesting. The more you emit a sense of confidence, as I call it personally, leaning into myself, leaning into oneself, the more you begin to jump to the higher realities in which are all around us infinitely. Now, what does that mean? Well, again, this speaks to the concept generally, in my humble opinion, of manifestation. You manifest a particular reality and you set the intent of that reality. And once you set that intent, you begin to, again, vibrate and transition from the previous version of you into the new version of you. You become, as we said in Euclid chapter 5, you become the idea. Because your pursuit of that idea, waiting in line at that Apple store or Victoria's Secret, you name it, the pursuit of the, the ideological journey towards the product is more, we could say, enriching energetically within oneself than the actual product you're going to obtain, which speaks to the validity to manifestation not being in what we call the quote-unquote physical. Because the thought is being presented and then sort of like the Nazi black sun symbol in an electrical pulsated manner, shot down the body into telling yourself, this is what I want. The product didn't tell you what you want. You told yourself what you wanted. You told yourself you wanted the product. You've now created and instilled a vibrational state that has brought you from, from one ring to another ring. Just like this. So, I'm going to cut the recording now. I hope the uh, the presentation was um, up to your, your standards, brother. And I hope that everyone here that's watching or listening this will uh, stay more than likely members only permanently. Um, simply because, again, if I blab this out publicly, it kind of uh, people are going to go, what? You know, you got to be a, a, a member at the very least to sort of understand, just even to look at a couple of the Euclids and all of that to see where we're going here. But point being is thank you so very much everybody thank you lewis for allowing me to record this presentation and um, we will catch everybody soon